This is the Return to Order Moment with Edwin Benson. Bringing you insights, analysis, and information for a culture in crisis. Satanism and the Modern American Culture For generations, Americans who considered themselves modern rejected the idea that Satan exists. The idea that each person is, as the old poem puts it, captain of my fate and the master of my soul, has no space for God, angels, or demons. Any belief in the supernatural is seen as a sign of weakness. However, since the turn of the 21st century, many are turning to Satanism as a vehicle of rebellion. Mr. John Horvat examines this development in his essay, Why Satanism is Now Center Stage in the Culture War. The religious right has often been looked down upon by many Americans involved in the political scene. For them, it shouldn't exist. According to the secular liberal tradition, the public square is supposed to be value neutral. Any religious intrusion into political matters is to be discouraged. The secular left is especially fearful of mixing politics and religion. Its activists are ever ready to find theocracy beyond any Christian leader who opines about political affairs. Leftists become enraged at the sight of those who fight abortion with rosary and prayers. All political appeals to God and spiritual things are customarily dismissed as hopelessly backward and superstitious. However, something dramatic is changing this sterile secular perspective. Suddenly, spiritual things are entering into the cutting edge of the political realm, and the agents of this change are on the left. The left has always tried to carve out a space in Christianity. Its social justice warriors and liberation theology rabble-rousers never seem to get it right. Their cries to change the world usually do not get beyond a tepid chorus of kumbaya for ordinary Christians in the pew. More often than not, religious liberals dress up Christian teachings in Marxist clothes, which looks fake. They pay the consequences in their dwindling congregations. It is not a winning proposition. That is why the new leftist religious upswing is so surprising. However, its activists are not found on any point in the Christian spectrum. They occupy the dark regions of the occult. For left-leaning millennials without any religious tradition, the occult represents an empowering way to express their leftist class-struggle political views directly. There is no need to dress up religious figures to revolt against hierarchy and order. Occult characters are the real thing. Satan defied God and his rule. Perhaps taking a page from the religious right, the left is starting to realize that religious convictions are much more lasting and dynamic than secular prattle. Religion reaches those deepest regions of the soul that the secular left used to deny existed. Religion satisfies human yearnings for purpose, meaning, ritual, and community. It is a sign of strange times. A generation that has grown up without organized religions which it deemed outdated is now filling the void with hopelessly ancient pagan deities. Those who will not call upon a personal and loving God to do good sense their powerlessness and now conjure up dark spirits to do evil to their opponents. 
The occult is not occult or hidden anymore. Everything is out in the open. Witches emerge from their dark covens and into the mainstream without apology or makeup. They seamlessly meld into feminist pro-abortion marches, socialist protests, or ecological climate change rallies. For those millennials on the progressive religious left, the fight is no longer about Obama-era grassroots community organizing. That is so passé. These new activists up the ante by appropriating dark imagery, rituals, and rites to dispute with in the public square. Black magic is part of their toolkit for change. At the Kavanaugh hearings, for example, Brooklyn witches publicly hexed the conservative candidate to the Supreme Court. It was also known that a quote-unquote magic resistance to President Trump took the form of thousands of witches, 13,000 strong, asking dark powers to bind the president's actions after his inauguration. The Trump victory ignited an explosion of witchcraft manuals for political action with titles that do not mask their preternatural purpose. In 2018, Michael Hughes, for example, wrote, Magic for the Resistance, Rituals and Spells for Change. David Salisbury has written his 2019 Witchcraft Activism, a toolkit for magical resistance, includes spells for social justice, civil rights, the environment, and more. He even calls upon readers to invoke the Greek god Hermes to give letters to legislators greater effect. 2019 also saw the publication of Revolutionary Witchcraft, A Guide to Magical Activism by Sarah Lyons. On the darker side of the spectrum... The Satanic Temple minces no words on its political positions. The group and its often black-clad members were featured in a 2019 documentary titled Hail Satan by Penny Lane that played in theaters nationwide. It was deliberately launched on Good Friday. The quote-unquote non-theistic group has gained notoriety by challenging laws and monuments that reflect Christian inspiration. The group's co-founder, Lucian Greaves, makes no secret of the fact that the, quote, homosexual agenda is but one front in the satanic revolution, unquote. He takes a no-quarter-given attitude toward Christians, ranting that, quote, in celebrating pride, the LGBTQ community and its allies should make no apologies and no concessions, offer no conciliation nor comfort to those who claim indignation on behalf of their superstition, unquote. Thus, a quote-unquote witch culture is taking root among left-leaning millennials that filters down throughout society. Its manifestations can range from full devil worship to queer-friendly tarot cards to the recently released astrological birth charts of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. While this culture has not yet dominated, it has entered into the mainstream and infiltrated the secular left. Its advocates have no problem breaching the quote-unquote wall between church and state to make the occult a component in their political activism. This witch culture places itself in the middle of two important dialectic struggles, one political 
and the other profoundly religious. The political struggle inserts the Satan figure inside the Marxist identity politics narrative. The fallen angel can represent any favored, quote-unquote, oppressed group, whether it be minorities, women, homosexuals, or any other. The imaginary Trumpian oppressor is white, patriarchal, and Christian. Using Satan as an archetype allows the left to make the struggle eternal without limiting it to the historical context. The brutal representation of satanic imagery only serves to reinforce the intensity of the struggle. Quote, Symbols and images of the uncanny, the demonic, and even the diabolical are recast as icons of the falsely accused, the wrongly blamed, the scapegoated, unquote, writes Tara Isabella Burton in The American Interest. For this reason, the national debate has taken on a chaotic, uncivil, irrational, and even violent character that underscores the eternal enmity between the two sides that will admit no compromise. Public discourse is marked by a hatred that has rarely been seen in American politics. Secular observers, who do not believe in the devil, mistakenly see this new development as no more than a war of metaphors and powerful imagery. The political left will welcome satanic allies and exploit their symbols to advance its goals. However, such a simplification is an illusion. The satanic revolution represents something much more powerful and sinister. The second dialectical struggle is the religious one. It involves those on both sides who truly believe in God and the devil. They believe the powerful forces involved are real, not imaginary. This is a struggle between good and evil. In this context, the open appearance of Satanism takes on major importance, especially in light of the debate over the future of the secular liberal model that had excluded the supernatural from reality. With the entrance of the occult and witchcraft into politics, the game has changed. The political establishment used to dismiss religious activity as inconsequential. By ignoring spiritual issues, modern politicians made material progress their only program. The result of this crass materialism has been the spiritual devastation of society. Now progressive occultism, with all its witches, shamans, and demons, puts the spiritual back into the heart of the debate. With this change, the debate has ironically shifted to an area in which the church has always acted effectively throughout history. Indeed, for Catholics, the battle for souls and society has always been the real war. The church teaches that God acts in history and that prayers, efforts, and sacrifices can influence the course of events. Likewise, the evil actions of those attached to the devil have their effect on earthly affairs. Quote, The whole history of the world, the whole history of the church, is nothing but this inexorable struggle between those who are of God and those who are of the devil, between those who are of the virgin and those who are of the serpent, unquote, wrote Catholic thinker Professor Plinio Correa de Oliveira, describing this perspective. As much as modern man hates to admit it, 
The fundamental religious questions have always been those that actually move history. Humanity's existential quest for meaning always passes through religious realms before resting in political applications. That was something the religious right has always sensed and affirmed. The progressive occultists are now making this true vision of history their own. The message of Our Lady of Fatima revolves around this real war. Catholics were warned about the action of the evil one over souls and society, which would bring humanity to ruin. The faithful were enjoined to practice acts of penance, prayer, and personal amendment to avoid God's chastisement. The open appearance of Satan onto the scene seems to indicate that the real war is entering a new phase. The left is having open recourse to the occult to aid it in this most important part of the struggle. In opposition, Catholics can expect singular graces and heavenly aid as they fight for what they know will be Our Lady's final triumph. For decades, the issue of procured abortion has been at the center of the struggle between good and evil. Therefore, it is not surprising that the newly fashionable Satanists are injecting themselves into this debate. Edwin Benson's essay considering this phenomenon is titled, Satanic Temple Mocks God by Promoting Abortion. A harbinger of the continuing decay of American society is the upsurge of Satanism. The Satanic Temple, TST, regularly attempts to make its abhorrent practices look like mainstream religious functions. Occasionally, the TFT stages highly publicized and blasphemous public ceremonies as a sign that it is a church just like any other. Its usual mode of operation is to use the First Amendment to the Constitution as a club to force its way into American culture. Thus, at Christmas, there are stories about the TST constructing shrines near a public nativity scene. It has also used this justification to establish after-school clubs to promote its dark yet macabre message. Motorists near Dallas, Houston, and Miami can see the TST's most recent perversion of truth. The TST sponsored billboards that carry a simple yet illogical message. Abortions save lives. Return to order activists have organized protests wherever the signs appear. The TST's rationale behind the billboard's message is summed up in one misleading statement. Quote, Pregnancy complications are the sixth most common cause of death among women between the ages of 20 and 34. Unquote. Of course, no mention is made of the number of women who die in their mother's wombs through procured abortion. It can never save lives, since one life is always lost. Moreover, even the irrational message is distorted. The Centers for Disease Control, CDC, reports that pregnancy complications account for 1.9% of all women's deaths between age 20 to 44. The figure also includes complications that arise from procured abortions. Of course, one would expect no less from the father of lies. Yet another bizarre reflection of the satanic activism is playing out in the state of Ohio. In December 2020, 
Governor DeWine signed a bill that provides aborted babies the dignity of being buried per state law. Thus, the law recognizes that the remains of unborn babies are those of children, not just cells and tissues. Satan's minions are also fighting against the new Ohio law. A spokesman for TST told television station WLWT that, quote, Satanists believe that non-viable fetal tissue is part of the person who carries it. As such, state impositions of ceremonial requirements dictating its disposal, barring any plausible medical or sanitary concerns, violate their ability to contextualize the termination of a pregnancy on their terms. Unquote. In other words, the aborted child is denied a last pitiful remnant of humanity with a dignified burial. However, the real reason for this activism is much deeper than campaigns against abortion. Satanism promotes hatred for God and all created in his image and likeness. The satanic revolution that is increasingly appearing in American culture has the goal of erasing the mark of the Creator. Thus, the Satanists take the offensive by favoring abortion, claiming it to be part of their religious convictions. Satanism has always been present in the process of the decadence of Western Christian civilization. Since the Middle Ages, the forces of evil have long conspired against the Church, since she is the means of salvation. Its mark is usually hidden, but occasionally appears, especially in times of revolution and crisis. Satan's open appearance in society's mainstream today is the culmination of a revolutionary process that seeks to destroy all things Christian. The final goal is the devil's illusion that he might be publicly and universally adored by all. Satanists revolt against everything holy and try to make it seem normal. That is why it is so important that Christians everywhere fight it wherever it appears. Through its St. Michael's Sword program, Return to Order has exercised its right to peacefully and legally protest against Satanism's rising tide. Friends and supporters have gathered together nationwide to oppose the efforts of groups like TST. In January, Return to Order activist Jose Ferraz organized rosary rallies at the sites of the Abortion Saves Lives billboards in all three cities where they appeared. These public expressions of faith had two functions. First, they informed the general public that TST is actively promoting its dark doctrines in their local communities and can be stopped. The second and more critical goal is performing an act of reparation to God for the TST's blasphemies against God and his law. Mr. Faraz explained, We know that the devil never rests. The children of light should not be outdone by the devil's ministers. We need to be ready for spiritual battle with a proportional enthusiasm and faith. After all, we are called the church militant for a reason. And we know that God wins in the end. However, he asks that we do our part by standing firmly for the truth. Many states have, deliberately or accidentally, played into desires of the Satanists. We see this in the way the states have closed churches, while allowing stores and other gathering places to remain open. 
John Horvath explores this colossal inequity in his essay, Satanic Bias, Closed Churches and Open Strip Clubs. In the face of the coronavirus crisis, real leaders should help establish the seriousness of the threat. Nevertheless, in many places, they are failing miserably. Their misguided decisions provide ammunition for corona skeptics to question unfairly applied restrictions and fuel conspiracy theories about hidden agendas. In many jurisdictions, COVID pandemic measures appear to be biased against virtue and in favor of vice. Indeed, many officials act as if sin, unrest, and vice help to contain the virus. When it comes to religious gatherings, however, they are automatically labeled super-spreader events, a threat to public health. Such unfair treatment undermines the credibility of efforts to control the pandemic. Worse yet, no one seems to care about such an obvious conclusion. For example, California Christians were perplexed by the recent ruling of a San Diego judge who said that strip clubs cannot be closed during COVID restrictions. They must be allowed to reopen, quote, to provide live adult entertainment, unquote, as an expression of First Amendment rights. Places of worship presented identical arguments to state officials. Yet for months, churches remain closed or are subject to arbitrary and absurd restrictions on indoor and outdoor services. The First Amendment explicitly mentions worship, but authorities could care less. Strip clubs, however, matter greatly to them. This government bias is not new. It seems to be a recurring precedent. Early in the lockdowns, churchgoers were shocked to find religious worship shut down as quote-unquote non-essential, while abortion clinics and marijuana dispensaries were classified as essential services. Quote-unquote mostly peaceful protests and riots also appeared to be exempt from COVID restrictions. Public officials even attended marches and other events where compliance with social distancing and masking norms was not observed. The Portland, Oregon nightly riots were deemed an expression of First Amendment rights. Rioters there were not reading Bibles, but burning them. Decisions like the San Diego ruling highlight the unfair and arbitrary nature of the virus restrictions. Moreover, The criteria for judgment is not the revered science so often cited by liberals as the justification for everything. Officials are giving free reign to sin and vice. Their assessments just happen to coincide with the hostile attitudes of liberal judges, governors, and other quote-unquote enlightened officials toward religion. Another example of liberal bias is the recent Swingers Convention in New Orleans. Hundreds of quote-unquote swingers descended upon the city to swap partners and potentially expose others in close sexual proximity. The four-day affair, called Naughty in Norlands, took place as a surge of COVID-19 cases nationwide prompted many communities to enact more restrictions. Nevertheless, the program of the event is a marathon of opportunities for exposure and close contacts. It includes a clothing-optional cruise, 
rooftop pool parties, matchmaking events, a quote-unquote erotic ball, and seminars on flogging. The group also visited and partied on Bourbon Street in downtown New Orleans. Organizers insisted that masks would be worn and activities would be divided into smaller-than-normal groups. However, the event occurs when city officials warned of a troubling spike of COVID-19 cases in the city, which they blamed on Halloween festivities and university parties. They said there was a, quote, short window of time, unquote, to take measures before implementing stricter rules that would prevent large gatherings like the Swingers Convention from happening. Vice appears to enjoy most favored status in the city as it struggles to recover from COVID. The most immoral activities are considered part of the city's recovery program. In early November, an open-air concert by Christian social media influencer Sean Feucht drew 400 attendees who were not adequately masked. Unlike the university parties, the event drew outrage from the mayor's office. Such favoring of sin undermines the credibility of the anti-COVID effort. It sends a mixed message. Promiscuity will be promoted at a time when citizens in other sectors face death and sacrifice. Officials ask the population to physically distance and avoid unnecessary contact while at the same time promoting the most intimate of contacts. People are told to change their daily lives radically while others can gratify their vices as if there was no pandemic at all. Restricting mass, sacraments, and church prayer while allowing a swingers convention and strip clubs is contradictory. The key to containing COVID is a spirit of restraint. Swingers and strip clubs channel unrestraint and a disregard for all rules of morality. Allowing such events and activities that incite the passions is to provide obvious conditions for a super-spreader explosion. Finally, the official response to COVID is a naturalistic and atheistic attitude that excludes God from any containment strategy. God is deemed non-essential. The response goes one step further by facilitating sins and vices that offend God and destroy society. These officials undermine their efforts and scorn Christians, giving them reasons to doubt their impartiality. How can people take the coronavirus measures seriously when it excludes out of hand the supernatural means through which real solutions come? A proper response would be to call upon God, who can do all things to mitigate the virus's devastation. Ignoring God is a foolish policy. It always ends in disaster. This concludes Satanism and the Modern American Culture. Thank you so much for listening. Return to Order, of which this podcast is only a part, strives to be the source of light in a dark and disordered world. Your prayers are appreciated. If you have enjoyed this podcast, we ask you to subscribe and give us a five-star rating with the service through which you are listening to it. Increased subscriptions and higher ratings mean that more people will be directed to the Return to Order moment when searching for the new podcasts. So, by rating us, you can help Return to Order be more effective. In addition, subscribers gain access to all previous episodes of the Return to Order moment. We would also like to recommend the book which spells out our motivations behind our work, 
Mr. John Horvath's book, Return to Order, is available as a free download through our website, www.returntoorder.org, or in printed and recorded form through our bookstore. All rights are reserved. Copyright 2021 by the American Society for the Defense of Tradition, Family, and Property, TFP.